In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's Gospel is a, is a repeat. We actually say it multiple times during the church calendar year. Um, and we also use this Gospel whenever there's, a, there's an extra week in any, of the, in any of the Coptic months, when there's a fifth Sunday for half the year. But this is not a fifth Sunday. This one is, is an intentional one. It's not a, a bonus Gospel. And there's many things that we get out of this gospel, and that's one of the reasons why it's repeated so much. But today I really want to particularly focus on on the attitude of the disciples towards um, what the Lord wanted to do. Because I think often we as Christians are doing what the disciples did. And this, this version of the gospel adds an important intro one-liner. Where it says, in the apostles, when they returned, having told him all that they had done. Okay, so this one gives us an intro of what had been going on before that. And what had been going on before that was that the Lord had actually sent out the disciples on their first mission trip, if you will. So they were extremely excited to come back and tell him what had happened. Because these people had done miracles for the first time, right? This was very exciting, obviously, for them, right? They had seen all sorts of of wonders that they were not expecting. And I'm also sure that they were exhausted. Okay, is that they came back and they had done all this fun stuff, the very showy stuff, the stuff that people like. And they'd had their immediate reward from that. And so now when they're coming back, we see where their humanity really comes forth. What do they want? They want a break, right? They want some time off. They want to be with their own, with their own clique or clique as you Americans say, um, and a group. They wanted alone time with Christ, right? They wanted at this point not to share Him but to be doing their own thing with Him. And they wanted to be fed in their own way. They wanted peace and quiet. They wanted to be left alone. There's a whole list of wants that they want. Now, it's not wrong that they desire these things. It's not wrong that they have these these wants. But the question is, what do we do when our will is in conflict with someone else's? Because here the disciples wanted something, but we see something happens to challenge that. In come the guests, 5,000 to be exact, with their spouses and with their children. So we're talking about roughly 10 to 12,000 people at least um, as a conservative measure that have stormed the mountain and decided that they have needs. And so the disciples are obviously not impressed by this um, because anyone in their, in their place would probably be thinking seriously right, right now, like of all the times this is when you're all coming and you want us to serve you. And many of us have been in that situation where we're exhausted, we're tired, and we have no desire to serve somebody else. So not just that they're hungry and tired now is, is an issue, but we know that what follows is Matthew 5 through 7, right? We have a long sermon. This was not just a 10-minute thing where Jesus receives the guests and says nice words and, and dismisses them. No, he talks. And he talks for a long time, right? And the people have are growing in their hunger. The disciples are already hungry, 
right? And they wanted something else. I can only imagine the frustration that they're that they're experiencing. And it seems like the disciples suspect that the Lord might overdo His kindness, right? Because they they go to Him, they proactively go to Him and say, "No, send them away. Don't pull one of your." your nice moves and, and try and do something. Send them away. Let them go to the surrounding countries and villages. Let them serve them. We're in a desert place, okay? This, this is not going to work out. Send the multitude away that they can go and eat. And they're dressing it up as compassion, right? Of, of these poor people, they're, they're hungry too. Send them away so they can eat. Because obviously there's nothing that we can do for them because there's not enough food for all of these people and their families. And this is all very human, right? And so I'm not overly critical of them for having these feelings. But we need to distinguish between how we feel about something and what is the right thing to do. Because we can have all the emotions in the world. That's irrelevant. If there's a right thing to do, then there's a right thing to do in spite of how we feel. So no one's going to be upset with us that we had a feeling. Okay, there's nothing wrong that we're doing something grudgingly. We sometimes make this mistake of thinking that I'm supposed to always be so excited um, to do something. And sure, that would be perfection. It would be good that you are able to have joy in doing the right thing always. But in our humanity, we do not always have that joy. Right? Sometimes our parents ask us to do something, and it is actually monumentally annoying. Okay? But it is still the right thing sometimes to obey and do it. Right? It doesn't matter necessarily how I feel about it. Right? Sometimes we don't like the things that our kids say to us, but they're true. Sometimes. Right? So we need to be able to deny our will in spite of how we feel about the thing and say, well, what is the right thing to do? And we're going to come back to this concept a little bit later at the end. The second thing is that the Lord doesn't send them away. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is to say, what is God's will? What is it that God wants? Because we are usually obsessed with what we want. The disciples don't want to serve. They want to be fed in their own way. They want to be with their people. They want their thing, whatever that thing is. Insert your own thing here. They are not thinking about what does God want. They are not thinking, what are the needs of the people? They are thinking, I want to be served. I lack something and I want it and I would like to have it. But they are not asking, what does God want? What is in the best interest of the people? And this is something that is a disease in all of humanity until this day. We often are so egocentric and don't recognize it. We can deliver wonderful sermons to other people about what they should do in that situation. I'm sure that the disciples were mimicking Jesus when they went out, serve one another, love one another, but they were not. Here they wanted to be served. And we often do this. But it wasn't God's will to send them away. God's will actually was to work a wonderful work and convert the hearts of the people and of the disciples. God's will was to work a profound miracle such that had never been seen in the history of the world. Nobody had seen five loaves and two fish turn into thousands of loaves and thousands of fish. It never happened. hasn't happened since. Right? But this was the Lord's will. So if it's up to the disciples, it's a done deal. Send them away. There's too many. You can't handle it. Peace out. We are often these disciples. We don't want to put up with the hardship because we prefer our own wealth. 
whatever it is that the wealth is. We prefer our own comfort. We prefer to eat our own food. The disciples had their own food, no doubt, right? That's why they're sending everybody away. Or they would have said, send everyone away and let's also go and find food. No, they had some kind of food, but they wanted it for themselves in their own way or in their terms with their friends. And this was not the Lord's will, as we said. The Lord was looking after everyone, both the disciples as well as the people. And the people had come because they wanted to know the Lord, right? This is why they came. Sure, there might have been some materialistic desire. Maybe at some level they wanted a miracle or they wanted food. But they're not horrible people. We do this too. They wanted to know, are you who you say you are? Is it true that you do these things? If you do, it means you're different. There's, there's a good motivation in here, even if it is not perfection. And the Lord wanted to serve them. They wanted to hear His words. They were hungry for Him, and they went up to a mountain. And going up this mountain is, is a pretty laborious effort in and of itself. And so the Lord wants us to deny ourselves. This is what love is is to lay down my will and my needs for the sake of others. It is self-denial. That is what love is in, 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 a, in a sentence. It's okay to give even when I don't feel like I'm given. We sometimes make this mistake of saying, I need to be given in order to give. No, we don't. We can always give. It's okay to feed others even when I don't feel fed. There might need to be wisdom in how this is done. This is why we have spiritual fathers. But we can't sit there and say, no, until I'm served, until I get what it is that I'm looking for, I can't help others. This isn't always right. There is sometimes some truth to this. It's not to look for my need above the others. It's okay that I have needs, but there's a question of whose needs matter more to me, not on an objective level but to me? Do I view my needs as more important than others? Because if I do, it means that I am selfish. It means that I am actually not a very loving person. Because what I'm doing is, I'm working for others only when it is convenient for myself. This is not what the Gospel teaches us. The Gospel says that I'm supposed to love God above all and my neighbor as myself. So if I am looking for my needs to be served first, this is not true love. This is why when our Lord said, who should I love, his first answer was, my enemies. Why? Because if I'm loving people who just love me, I'm still self-serving. Right? I'm still doing something that just makes me feel comfortable. It's convenient for me to help them because they help me. It's convenient for me to be nice to them because they're nice to me. Whereas the truest love is to say, irrespective of what I want and what I feel, I'm going to put you above myself. This is what love is. And if I choose not to do the work, if I choose not to do the Lord's will, I miss out on the grace. If the apostles had not obeyed the Lord's will in spite of their emotions, which is to their credit is that they did do that, in their fatigue, in their tiredness, in their wants, they still served the people and obeyed. And only because of this, did they see the grace of God? Were they able to witness the miracle? And this is what we call in our church synergy, right? We didn't invent the word. The word exists already, obviously, right? But the concept is of synergy is that we don't have the extreme of, of Protestantism where it's one saved, all saved, praise God, okay? Nor do we have the extreme of saying 
it's all my works. It's neither of these two things. It is that I work in conjunction with God for our salvation. How does this work? Right? I, I'm sorry for those who have met me before, I overuse this analogy. Right? To me, the easiest analogy is, is what I see in, in my nephews, right? or what a, a parent would see in their, in their child. Right? A child is born, and the parents or the uncle or whoever it is love the kid, not because of anything the kid did. Right? In fact, the kid might be ugly, but the parents will see it as the most beautiful kid in the world because it's their kid. Right? They, they see intrinsic value and beauty in their own child. And of course, they want to pamper the child. They want to give the child as much as they can. And as an infant and in their childhood, we do. We shower them with gifts and with praise. Right? We clothe them, we feed them, we teach them, and, and they doesn't come cheap, kids. Right? They lose lots of sleep and comfort and trips and intimacy, all sorts of things. But as the child develops its own mind, right, and it develops its own will, the parents can no longer force the child, right? The child at some point has its own mind, comes an adolescent, and usually is going to disagree with everything you say, right? And so this person has to start to make his or her own decisions. And so it might be that the child wants to go to med school, for example, and the parent likes that too. And parents are like, oh, I want to pay for a tutor for you. But the child can be like, well, actually, I don't want that, and I don't want to be tutored, and I'm not going to do it. The parent wants to give a gift, but the child is refusing it. Right? It might be that the child decides that he doesn't want to talk to his parents. So there might be a lot that they have in common, but there is no giving and taking. The parent wants to give, the child doesn't want to receive. And this is where we run into conflict. However, if there is a relationship, and there is the son or the daughter who has a desire to dialogue with the parents, then the parent is able to continue to give the gift and the child is able to receive. This is what we call synergy. God is always wanting to pour out gifts upon us. But we are often the ones who are closing it because we want it in a certain way. Right? We're like that kid who says, no, I want it like this. Give me this now. And it's like, but if you want to talk, this might not be the right time for that or this might not even be the right thing for you, right? The only way to understand this grace and the synergy is in the context of a relationship, because there's a goal, it's not haphazard. It's not just that we have a God who gives us stuff, right? This stuff has to serve towards a higher purpose, and that higher purpose is our salvation, and that is what synergy is. If the disciples had walked away, there would be no opportunity for grace. Because the Lord respects the will of the people. God will not force himself on anybody. Not you, not me, not anybody. We're often praying for God to do that, but that's not how he functions. God is not going to work with you against your will. That's why we're talking about this miracle. God will only work if they're willing. If the apostles had left and said, Sorry God, you're asking for too much, he would have respected that. He would have said, Okay, no problem. But you lost out. Right? You didn't witness this. You didn't, you didn't get to participate in it. You got to participate. You could have actually worked the same miracles yourself. These ten to 12,000 people aren't, would not have had this opportunity. And so the gospel is not preached. It's that simple. If we decide not to do the will of God, if we decide not to do the work of the gospel, if we decide to look after our own needs first, the gospel isn't preached. The Lord's grace doesn't come out, and you don't even know it. We've lost out on that. 
God's work wouldn't be done if the people also didn't offer their food. Right? There's a synergy with the disciples and there's a synergy with the people. If the people didn't come with their own food, God wouldn't have blessed it either. Right? God didn't say, oh, just check this out, I'm going to do the most amazing thing, I'm going to rain down from heaven food. He could have. But He wanted them to participate. He wanted their food to be the offering. Our will is the only thing that we possess that allows us to show who we love. It's the only thing in our possession that allows us to show love. This is why God gave us free will. In my having the ability to make a decision, I get to show who I value, myself or my neighbor. Because it's in what I actually choose to do that shows who I value. If I choose me, then I love me. Right? If I chose to walk away, if I'm like the disciples and just say, no, I'm tired, then I chose me. But when I say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I don't like this, I don't want this, I prefer this, but I choose you, that's where love is. That's where all the movies make their money off of, right? Is that undying love of that person who, against all odds, denies himself and goes to ancient and far lands, right, for somebody else. Because he's denied himself, he's gone through hardship. Right? He's, he would have, it would have been more comfortable to lay down at home and do one's own thing. But our will, our putting down of our will, is where we show love. Do I love me or do I love my neighbor? Because selfishness breeds selfishness. If everybody is quick to look after themselves, the reaction of everyone else around them is to also look for themselves. Right? Of saying, no one's going to care for me, everyone's looking out for themselves, I need to look out for myself. The only way to break this trend is to deny myself, right? Is to say, no, I care about you first. So reflect on your lives and ask, do I live for me first or do I live for others? Do I look for reasons and excuses why I can't serve? Or do I say it doesn't matter what I feel or what's wrong with them or what's wrong with the system and what's wrong with everybody? There's always wrong, right? Wrong exists in abundance. Let's get over it. Okay, and say, how do we work towards what's right? God came to his own world, which was royally messed up. Okay, and he didn't spend his time sitting there with the people telling them how messed up they were. Instead, he brought them something positive. He brought them something good. He brought them perfection and holiness, and he, he laid himself down for the people. Am I rejecting God's grace by closing my heart for opportunities to feed the people like the disciples did? Are there opportunities all around me that I'm walking away from where I could have seen God's grace and I don't because I'm choosing myself? And do I justify my selfishness with valid excuses? They're valid. But am I using these excuses to justify selfishness? Because that's invalid in spite of how I feel I must give. And finally, am I cooperating with God and looking for His will or am I looking to gratify my own? Let us instead look to feed because the disciples also ate from the same food that was put before the people. Let us look to feed the people so that we ourselves will be fed. Let us deny ourselves in love that we too might be glorified with him and in him to his glory. To him be glory and praise and majesty and might forever and ever. Amen.